Hey, chiropractors, welcome to Modern Chiropractic Mastery with your host, Dr. Kevin Christie, where we discuss the latest in marketing, business, and professional growth with some of the leading experts in the industry. Welcome to another episode of Modern Chiropractic Mastery. Today, I'm bringing you a solo episode. Uh, This one is going to be on patient communication, and I'm going to give you kind of my five aspects of communication. I do want to thank one of our listeners for this idea. She had uh, messaged me on Facebook about this topic, and and I know there's a lot of uh, confusion or interest or lack of understanding of of patient communication. You know, I think it also sometimes falls into that category of we've seen the big dog and pony show crazy patient communication report of findings where you got to bring all your family members and have a chicken dinner together uh, to consider a good patient communication. And, and obviously, we're trying to avoid that. And so um, I think we've we maybe have gone too far the other way. It happens. And I'm going to try to bring us back to what is reasonable, ethical, elegant, patient-centered, and try to uh, really get us our bearings on what, what effective communication is, right? Uh, and, you know, sometimes a lot of our evidence-informed chiropractors over-communicate, get real science real jargony, <laughs> and it, it happens quite a bit. And so we got to avoid that. You'll fine-tune that as you come along, uh, but you definitely want to uh, find a happy medium to be able to really resonate with them and, and provide them uh, with, with guidance uh, when you do that. And I think a big part of it is, is leadership, and, and I actually posted this um, – in the Facebook group this morning as I record this, which will be a different day than, than this is actually released. But, uh, you know, I've really been trying to improve my, my leadership uh, for, my, for my team, uh, for my family. Uh, and for you, I think you, you need to also really improve your leadership uh, for your patients. And, and one of the books I'm reading right now is called B2.0, and, and B is an acronym for Beyond Entrepreneurship by Jim Collins. Many of you may have heard of Jim Collins uh, from the books Good to Great and some others, uh, but years ago he wrote the original book with with another author uh, called Beyond Entrepreneurship. And so this is a 2.0 of it, updated, a lot of good new content in there. I never read the first one, so it's all new uh, to me. But in the book, uh, there's an excerpt in there, and I want to read this and and then bring this back into patient communication because, frankly, Really good patient communication requires uh, leadership from your part, and, and too many chiropractors are uh, missing that aspect of it, okay? And so I want to read you a little excerpt from that book, and this is from Jim Collins. Uh, quote, I've been asked many times whether people can become a level five leader, and if so, how? Yes, and the best spark to ignite such leadership in yourself is to wrestle with a hard yet simple question, and that question is, what cause are you willing to serve? And so he goes on, what causes are you willing to sacrifice and suffer for when you must make decisions that cause pain for yourself and others to advance that cause? What cause will infuse your life with meaning? It might be a grand, highly visible cause or a more private, less visible cause. What matters is that you lead in service to that cause rather to in service to yourself. And that last sentence there definitely resonates with me. I think a lot of us do things in service to ourself and not to the cause. And as a 
healthcare provider, as a, as a chiropractor, that cause has to be your patience. And to provide great leadership, it means to be patient-centered, not doctor-centered. I think if we took that last line, right, what is you know what matters is that you lead in service to that cause rather than in service to yourself. I think a lot of the chiropractors out there that are doctor-centered are servicing themselves versus the chiropractors that are out there that are really patient-centered are are in service of a cause. And to be uh, really in service to your patients and provide leadership for them, you have to communicate well to them. And and too many of you and and myself in the past, I, I don't treat patients now, but um, you know, I've really doubled down on improving my leadership and it would, you know, if I was stepping back into patient care, uh, I, I definitely feel I would have to improve on that in, in providing direction for the patients in a clear and concise manner. And so I wanted to kind of lay some context of leadership before we actually dive into what, you know, the, the five phases or aspects of patient care. I think we as evidence informed chiropractors can tackle effectively. Okay. And because a lot of it does take leadership, uh, it's it can be nerve wracking for some of us to communicate effectively and consistently with patients. And you know you might have to do it thirty different patients in a day, right? So it's not easy, and, and I get it. And that's where it kind of goes back to serving that cause, and you know being willing to sacrifice and suffer for that cause. Like you need to make sure you do the things to where you're firing all cylinders when you show up to work with those patients. You need to be able to put aside some stuff that's going on at home or your personal life. Like you have to be a professional and to be a professional means you have to show up. And for a chiropractor, you have to show up for those patients and, and not um, kind of, you know, you know, um, not be there fully and, and ultimately give them a second rate experience. You have to be on, you have to do what it takes to take care of your health to be on and be able to show up for them. And then that's going to be the first step of, of really good communication, right? But we can we can break it down into five key aspects through that patient life cycle um, where you want to get really um, exceptional at. And it's going to take you time, but if you work on it, just like anything else, you will. You weren't a great clinician when you first started practicing. Now, if you've been doing it for a number of years, you probably are. It didn't happen overnight. So it's the same thing here. You can get better at it. And so that first one is going to be really starting at that history and consultation. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and, and, and kind of dive into all the uh, details of a history and consultation that we learn and all the clinical side questions that we need to ask. Like That's a different uh, topic. That's a different skill set uh, other than this, what this podcast is going to do today, at least this episode. But there's something that I, I recommend chiropractors do, and it's a, it's a take from the R-factor question from Dan Sullivan of Strategic Coach. And, and that R-factor question typically is a three-year time frame as strategic coach teaches it. Obviously, three years is a bit much when we're doing a history and consultation. So I've just switched it out to the end of this treatment plan. And so it would look like, you know, after I've kind of done my basic history and consultation, I'm going to really face that patient and say, at the end of this treatment plan, what has to be the case for you to be happy with your results, right? Simple question. And then let them talk. And let them say what it is, right? Because they may have come in with the knee pain, but it might be they want to run that marathon, uh, you know, in six months. Or 
It might be the headaches that they came in with, but it might be impacting their work, right? We want to really get down into what brought them in and what does success look like for them. And it obviously, there's probably going to, in many scenarios, be pain as part of it, but it's going to be the next level and getting them to achieve something that they're struggling with right now. And that's typically what brought them into your office, okay? And so we, we coach our, our clients on that as a big question to ask during that um, history and consultation, okay? Now, the second part is going to be the report of findings. And that first question on that history and consultation, that R-factor question is going to help set you up pretty well. And the report of findings, in my opinion, either needs to be done at the end of the first visit, or if you decide to do it at the beginning of the second visit, that's fine too. But it really only needs to be about three to five minutes to, to be effective and then guide them on that, right? And a, a really good report of findings is going to be clear and it's going to provide them with a full understanding. It's not going to be a, a sales job per se. I think a lot of us have a misconception or, or you know, rightfully so, that a lot of times when someone says report of findings uh, or review of findings, it's like, oh, here we go. It's, it's, you know, trying to get this person to buy a car from you type of deal. And that's not the case. So I want you to sit down in front of that patient, you know, really not be distracted and provide them with a handful of things. And, and let me kind of go into it um, as a framework. I like to use Donald Miller's story branding for the report of findings. And if you, you know, remember you're going to have the hero, which is one, okay, the character, that's going to be the patient, they're sitting in front of you, and three is going to be introducing the guide, that's you, so, you know, one and three are taken care of in this situation, but two is the problem, and it's going to be the essence of your report of findings, and, and if you recall, um, and we've done episodes on this before, and we've had John Morrison on on our podcast, who uh, is a certified story brand coach, and, and I know a lot of the messaging, and we coach our clients on this report of findings as well, is that you're going to have the problem and it's going to break down, into th- break down into three aspects, right? The external conflict, the internal conflict, and the philosophical conflict. The philosophical conflict is not, uh, you know, philosophical chiropractic. So put that aside. The external conflict is in how it relates to chiropractic. That's going to be their diagnosis, right? Let me, what they came in with, my knee pain, my headaches, my shoulder uh, pain, whatever, right? The internal conflict is going to be, what's it really impacting, right? So it's that, it's that mom that is having a lot of pain and it's impacting uh, breastfeeding, right? Uh, And then it could be that runner that can't run and they've got that race coming up. That's what, you know, a lot of times people will deal with pain or, or dysfunction or, um, on, you know, being uncomfortable, but then when it starts to impact them internally, that's when they say, okay, I gotta, I have to go see someone. And then the philosophical conflict is going to be, um, all right, they got to go see someone who the heck are they going to go see and why are they going to see you? All right. And so we're going to, uh, I'll give you an example of that in, in a minute, but that philosophical conflict is like, okay, yeah, I don't want to go to an orthopedist for this because he's going to tell me I should never run again. Or um, I, I don't want to go, I don't want pills or surgery or anything like that. Um, I don't want to spend an hour uh, doing uh, physical therapy exercises. I need a little more efficiency of care. I want some manual therapy um, that's going to really fix the issue, things like that. 
All right, Docs, here is a new opportunity for you from Darcy Sullivan of Propel. She is our SEO specialist in helping out many chiropractors uh, with their search engine optimization and making sure Google is finding you and getting you new patients. It's amazing how many new patients chiropractors can get and are getting when they do uh, the SEO right and a few other things. And Darcy is offering a free SEO workshop just for chiropractors, and you can sign up for that at bit.ly bit.ly slash propel mcm that is bit.ly bit.ly propel mcm modern chiropractic marketing right and so check out that link and we're going to have you go over five seo secrets to owning the first page of google uh, without buying ads and darcy's going to give that free workshop one hour to really help grow your practice and start churning new patients from the ever mighty Google, which is still king in the online marketing. So check that out at bit.ly slash propel MCM for the one hour free workshop. And so that's going to be, you know, part two of the story, which is the problem. Again, we mentioned what one and three was. Four is the guide has a plan for them. So that's going to be your treatment plan. Five is, is you're going to you know, call them into action. That's going to be them scheduling their visits out. That's going to be them actually doing the homework you give them. That's going to be them uh, agreeing to your treatment plan and saying, saying they're on board. That could be things like them, you know, buying a treatment package of eight visits, you know, for the entirety of the thing, whatever it may be. There's certain things that would say, okay, yeah, we're taking action. And if they take action, there's a higher chance they're going to avoid failure and lead to success, which is six and seven, right? And, and I think a, a lot of people uh, are always concerned with their port of findings because avoid failure, which would be number six. Some, some chiropractors hammer that hard, right? Like put up the x-ray and say that they're not going to be able to walk if we don't level out this pelvis. <laughs> so they're, they're, they're tripling down on the um, you know failure part of things and try to avoid failure, and, and it's a scare tactic thing. So we're not going to do that. But we're going to paint a picture of what success looks like, and they'll be able to deduce that they have a higher chance of avoiding failure, all right? And so let's actually kind of dive into what that looks like a little bit, right? And so let's just imagine a scenario. You do your evaluation. There's no red flags. You don't need advanced imaging. You can treat them in your practice. There, are my, there will be situations where that's not the case, and you, you know how to have that conversation. But I, let's say for the sake of this, and not making it a two-hour podcast episode, um, we have no red flags. We don't need advanced imaging. Uh, we don't need to refer them out. We can treat them here, right? And so this is what it would look like. Hey, Sally, I'm, uh, you know, got done with all the evaluation and treatment and everything. I, I really appreciate your uh, time today. Uh, good news is, is in our evaluation process, I didn't see any red flags. We don't need to send you out for any advanced imaging like MRI or anything. And we, we can treat you here. So we don't need to send you out for referral to an orthopedist or any other specialist. I feel very confident that we can treat you and get the results that you want. You stated that you want to be able to run that marathon in six months. And I'm confident that not only can we get rid of your uh, knee pain, but we can also get you to be training and running appropriately to be able to compete in that race. And so that's going to be our goal. And when you come in here, we're going to use that as our measuring stick of your improvement is to not only get rid of your knee pain, but improve what caused it and get you to back to running as soon as possible so that you can run this race. Does that sound good? 
they'll they'll probably give you a yes. They'll be happy. I would have given their diagnosis. So you would want to plug in. You know, oh, it's like IT band syndrome, whatever you want to call it for the knee pain. Uh, but you're you're ruling out any red flags right now and, and give them their diagnosis. That would be the external conflict. The internal was me restating their R factor question of running that race. And the philosophical was that they don't need advanced imaging. They don't need uh, to be referred out and we can treat them here and we're going to get them back into running. So I, I really um, address some of those concerns they're going to have, right? And so that's going to be really summing up that problem there. Then you would roll into your treatment plan. And this is kind of me going back to that. Okay, great. And so based on my evaluations, your goals, and my past experiences with this, I typically need to see someone two times a week for the next three or four weeks for this. And when you come in, we're going to do some active release techniques, some rehab exercises. There's some things we found in the lumbopelvic region that we're going to probably do some chiropractic manipulation there. And your visits will be about 15 to 20 minutes when you come in. Today was a little bit longer because we had the evaluation, history, and consultation, as you know. Uh, but when you come in, we're going to be able to get good results efficiently. And we're going to give you some homework to do uh, to, to make sure you really expedite this. So I want to make sure you can keep up with that. And we're also going to have conversations as you come in on your improvements and what we can reintroduce as far as activity to get you going. And so that'll be the plan. I need you to just make sure you do the homework we give you and, you know, obviously um, abide by the advice that we do as far as the running. And then we'll be able to go from there. Does that sound good? And so I try to get them in agreement with what our treatment plan is. And so I touch base on the length, frequency, duration. I touch base on what we're going to be doing, how long it's going to take, just trying to give them uh, the, the nuts and bolts of it. Cause I don't want them to think it's going to be 45 minutes every time. If it's really only going to be 15 or 20, because some people would value the 45 and they'll be frustrated. The other visits aren't a lot of people aren't going to value 45 minutes every time they come in. They're worried about their calendar and do I have to be here for that long every time? And so we're really being clear on what to, for them to expect also on some of the homework that they're going to have as well. Right. And then, you know, just kind of let them, uh, you know, I ask at the end, I just said, do you have any questions for me? And I try to answer some questions. If it's someone that's very long winded, you have a skill set to kind of mitigate that a bit and get them to your uh, front desk. And then you need to have really good communication between you and the front desk on what their treatment plan is. And I like to do that in front of the patient, bring them up. I don't bring every patient up to the front, but the new patients I will and make sure that everybody's in agreement on that treatment plan. And that to me is a very effective, there's, there's more to it, but you get the idea um, of a very effective, concise, um, providing leadership type of report of findings. All right. And so that's the second key aspect of it. Now let's move on to the third. Uh, you know, there's, you're going to see this person two or three times a week. And there's going to be a lot of communication there. Um, you know, some people will talk, we'll call that table talk. But ultimately, uh, you're just going to have your, your communication. I think you should, when you have your regular follow-up visits, you know, during your palpations and assessments and, and all that, you know, let them know what you're finding. Uh, let, me, let them know what improvements are. But I think this really becomes a, you know, an opportunity for you to just be yourself and, and communicate with them in a social way that's reasonable, right? Like professional, but social and getting to know them and, you know, them getting to know you within reason and, and just building that rapport and that trust and, and getting to know each other, you know, and, and utilizing that to um, have just good conversation because you'd be surprised 
you know, for you, it gets lost in it because you'll see 30 of these and it's another conversation. But for them, it might be the best 10-minute conversation they have throughout the day, including going home to their spouse sometimes. And so uh, it's a big part of it. But I do think you need to give them progress updates without overwhelming them each visit. And then ultimately just having good conversation for the length of the visit, right? And so that's the third opportunity, as we know, for communication, right? Now, moving on to the fourth one, I, you know, I'm not going to spend a lot on that third one. You know, that, that's kind of a whole thing there, but it's definitely important to um, have good conversation with them, okay? So I'll leave it at that. The fourth one, and the next couple are where people um, kind of miss the boat sometimes, and that is the, the fourth being uh, when the pain is gone, right? So we have this ironic aspect of our evidence-informed clinic where we're very, and I've harped on this before, but we're very movement-based and function-based and we want to find the cause. We don't want to chase the pain. It's not about pain. But then we treat our patients and then when they're out of pain, we use that as their uh, measurement for success in releasing them from care after a few visits, Right. Uh, so that's a, that's a tricky situation. I think a lot of evidence-informed chiropractors have gotten themselves into, and the thing they fail to realize is that if you didn't actually solve the issue, there's a lot of times it comes right back in a few weeks to a few months or or whatever, and you didn't really solve the problem per se. And so, uh, I think a a really good treatment plan is going to be designed to not only get rid of the pain, but also restore function and give them the tools they need from a corrective rehab standpoint at home to keep on working on that injury resilience, right? So if if you discharge them after three visits, there's a couple things that are probably short-sighted there, probably more, but at least two is one is you most likely didn't correct the dysfunction that led to the pain uh, or the movement pattern issue and all the other things. And then two, uh, you know, there's a high likelihood that their capabilities of doing the rehab you know, the at-home exercises is not there and they're doing it wrong or they're not really ingrained in, you know, in doing it. It's not part of their routine yet. And so they're not going to do them or they're going to do them incorrectly, right? So that's some of the shortcomings there. And so I think it's, it's wise to lay out a treatment plan that talks about pain, but also function. And we, what we've done in our practices, and we've even named it the, the health fit approach to care, and it's three phases. One is, you know, pain relief. Two is return to function and injury resilience. And then three is performance care. That's kind of our our form of wellness care, which we'll get to in a second. Um, but we go over that in a report of findings as well during that kind of part where we go over their treatment frequency and what to expect. Uh, so I didn't interject it into that um, spiel I did earlier because I wanted to introduce it now. Uh, but you could inject that into that aspect there of the, you know, I'm going to see you two times a week for the next uh, you know, four weeks. And in that where our goal is uh, to get through phase one, which is pain relief, and then get into phase two and really make sure that we're improving the function and movement quality and giving you all the exercises that you need to do them correctly at home. And that will help with injury resilience. And so we talk about that in that report of findings. So then we fast forward and that patient comes in on visit three, and like, hey, doc, this is great news. I'm feeling great. I have no pain. I was able to run. I'm doing well. 
that's when you have to sit down with them and have a quick little conversation. You could even bring, we have a lamp, the, our faces of care is laminated in the treatment rooms and say, all right, perfect. Remember when we sat down on that first visit and we talked about in your care plan is to get rid of pain, but then also uh, return to function and injury resilience. We can graduate to there now into this phase two of your care for the duration of your treatment plan. And if all goes well, we'll be able to release you from care on time like we were hoping, right? And so having that conversation and getting them in agreement with them, realizing that they're not done yet. Now, if they are in your clinical expertise, they are, and they're full return of function, they're killing their exercises perfectly and all that, so be it. But a lot of you are, are not doing that. And a lot of you are um, not leading them in this manner and making sure it doesn't come back or at least have obviously nothing's hundred percent, but a less likelihood of, of coming back. And so you, you need to sit down with them at that transition from pain to now we can focus on proving the function. I can add certain treatments and exercises I couldn't do before because of the pain. Now we can have fun with some of this stuff and get to the root of it without uh, flaring up the pain that you had. And so those are the um, key things you need to touch on on that one, right? Okay, and then lastly, let's let's you know fast forward and say we're we're at the end of our treatment plan. You're gonna you, you do your final examination. You're, you're gonna release them from care, uh, which is great news. This is a great opportunity for you to sit down and talk about uh, optimal performance care and kind of being the training room for their life, and and being able to keep up with their body just like an athlete would. And you know that's gonna look different to everybody, but uh, it could be, you know, if they're in, like, let's take that runner, right? And you got them better, but they still have four months left before their race. And they're going to be training hard. That person, and I, I, you know, they may choose to come in once a week just to stay on top of it. They're putting in a lot of mileage and they have this previous injury and they don't want it to come back. There's nothing wrong with recommending they come in once a week until their race to, or maybe every other week. I'll let you use your clinical decision on that. There's nothing wrong with that. If they don't have anything big coming up and, and they just want to stay healthy, but they're exercising and they're staying fit and all that, maybe it's once a month, but you're you're putting out fires, you're you're checking some things, you're just making sure that they're staying on point and they're performing well, just like a high-level athlete would, right? And and, and so um, performance care is not a dirty word. I know wellness care, maintenance care has got kind of that derogatory stigma to it, but uh, I like performance care, whether it's performance in work life or athletics. And so uh, having that conversation with them, not hard selling them, not, but a lot of them will be in agreement with you on that. And they want that in their life and they, and they definitely see the value. And when, and that's the case. And I, I recommend, I, you know, I, again, that's another visit. I bring them up to the, you know, whether they want to or not, when we're done and we're releasing from care, I love to walk them up to the front and let front desk know. I was like, Oh, you know, Greg's doing phenomenal. He's fully recovered. We're, we're um, releasing him from care. Um, and then if he does like, but he wants to stick up, stick with optimal performance care. And so, uh, he wants to do once a month. Can you get him on the schedule for a month and get him on the schedule for the month and, and, and make that part of their routine. Right. And that, and that really kind of summarizes, I think, very effective care. You, you need to fine tune it. Uh, what I went over today, isn't all the things we go over and really fine tuning it, but you get the framework and understanding it. But I think this is something that we try to really work on with our uh, coaching clients is because it can really move the needle in your practice uh, very effectively. And because communication is just lacking in almost all aspects of life, and I'm seeing it 
a, a lot. And I, you know, experienced myself. I, I got better over the years, uh, probably could get even better, but I think it's something that we all need to improve on to provide leadership for our patients. Good communication is going to really help them adhere to their treatment plan, follow through, and get the results that they desire and that you desire for them, right? So work on that, build out your framework, improve role play if you need to, but get a lot better at communication, focus on it, and I have no doubts that you will. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. And if you want to make the shift from busy, broke, and broken to time-free and cash-confident, or you just want to continue with the exponential growth, check us out at modernchiropracticmarketing.com. Look at the MCM Mastery tab, watch the short video on there, and check out what we are doing now for evidence-informed chiropractors. We are equal parts coaching and marketing done for you. Yes, you shoot some videos. We help you with campaign strategies and ideas and really become a thought leader in your community. You shoot those videos, you send them to us. We produce, edit, and brand them to you. Then we distribute them through all of your channels. We also take them and we turn it into one good blog per month. And every other month, we have Darcy Sullivan producing a robust blog with a topic that you pick from her database to help with your SEO. So we essentially become your content marketing agency to make sure your practice is always having ethical, elegant content marketing to help grow your practice. On the coaching side, we also help you with everything from marketing ideas to business, communications, finances, anything practice growth and really try to help prevent you from being stuck on that island. And we hold you accountable. We have a great group of doctors that are just doing amazing things. And we look forward to help you out to take that next step in your practice. So again, check us out at modernchiropracticmarketing.com and learn more.